This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hello and welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Emma Benner, and today I'm sharing episode 77 with Chris Norton. Chris was a collegiate football player when he missed time to tackle and collided with the opponent's legs and immediately lost all feeling and movement from the neck down. After that, he was given the diagnosis that he would never be able to move again. But after incredible amounts of perseverance and dedication, alongside the support of his family and friends, Chris was able to walk across the graduation stage and down the aisle at his wedding with his wife, Emily, by his side. Chris's story is just really one of perseverance, facing his challenges head on, and using his story and his experiences to make such a positive impact on others. Chris now has the Chris Norton Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization that helps to fund the equipment, accommodations, and opportunities for others with spinal cord and neuromuscular disabilities to help them live their very best life. He also puts on the Chris Norton Foundation Wheelchair Camp, where they provide a cost-free camp for youth and families with physical challenges to help them overcome their obstacles and discover all of their abilities. On top of that, Chris and his wife, Emily, are foster and adoptive parents. They really do it all over there in the Norton household. It was just such a joy to talk with Chris and to hear all that he is doing in the world to change the lives of so many and to hear his perspective and the positivity that he brings to everything that he does, even though he was faced with incredible hardships. All right, I am so excited to bring you my conversation with Chris, but before we get started, I do want to share about the company Finley's. Finley's was founded by two former special education teachers, Angie and Kyle Gallus, and I was lucky enough to have them on the podcast a couple weeks back on episode 74. So you can go back and hear more of their story and all of the incredible work that they are doing. But Finley's is a pet treat company and they make their pet treats with just a few all natural ingredients. And the best part of it is that they give 50% of their profits to initiatives that provide employment training, accessibility, health and wellness, and advocacy platforms for people with disabilities. You should go check them out. And if you find something that you love on their website at getfinleys.com, make sure you use code Illuminate20 to get 20% off your order. All right, let's get started with my conversation with Chris Norton. All right. Today on the podcast, I'm so excited to be joined by Chris Norton. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you, Emma. Good to be here. Yeah, I was so glad to connect with you, to be able to connect with you today because you just have one of the most incredible stories of not only resilience and breaking down barriers in your own life, but also then going on and helping others and making such a big impact in the world around you. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. We're uh, just trying to, you know, make a difference in the world. And it's amazing kind of like 
where that can take you and just following your heart. Yeah, absolutely. So can you catch the listeners up to speed and give a little bit of an introduction to yourself and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, for sure. So um, my I'm from a small town in Iowa. I grew up in the Midwest and uh, was a huge sports fan. Uh, I loved competing. I had great a great family and uh, uh, love for competition. Uh, took me to college football uh, at Luther College in Northeast Iowa. And coming as a freshman, big goals and dreams. Uh, I was going to have the, the world in the palm of my hand and then uh, the sixth game of the season, I was running down, covering a kick. I was saw this opening, and I was going to make this tackle on the ball carrier. And I mistimed my tackle just by a split second because instead of getting my head in front of the ball carrier and colliding with him using my shoulder, my head collided right with his legs. And, and in an instant, I lost all feeling of movement from my neck down. And so I was on the field, face down, motionless. I was calm and collected. I didn't really know what was going on. I tried pushing myself off the ground. Uh, Nothing was working. And uh, slowly, as the paramedics got involved, the athletic trainers, I got flown out of that game uh, to emergency surgery, found out I had a severe spinal cord injury. And I was given a 3% chance to ever move anything below my neck or even feel anything. And so that's kind of when my life as an 18-year-old kid back in 2010 just took a complete 180. And my life was flipped upside down and just trying and struggling to figure out what in the world am I going to do? What's my life going to look like? And just slowly but surely made some progress with a little bit of movement in my hands and arms, a little bit of movement in my legs, and I was able to walk across the stage my college graduation four years later with my then fiance Emily. And then uh, a couple of years after that, uh, Emily and I walked seven yards down the aisle over a wedding, which uh, both those videos went viral across the world. And then we've been able to write a book about kind of our love story and that journey of uh, me getting hurt to us meeting to fostering and adopting children and uh, taking those seven yards of steps down the aisle. Um, so that's my story in a nutshell. I know there's a lot to unpack, I'm sure, but um, just to kind of give a, a broad overview. Yeah, going off of that, you do talk about your injury a lot in a bunch of different er, in a bunch of different interviews and talk about the injury and all that led um, that happened after that. Is it something that's hard to relive and continue to talk about, or is it just kind of second nature now? It's really just second nature. I've had to relive those those moments and those days uh, so often. I'm a motivational speaker, a keynote speaker, so uh, that's what I do for a living. Is I, I kind of go back into that that place, into that that mindset of where I was, and, and relive it. And so I'm kind of, in a way, trained and coached to to go there, to go to those places that you know. At first, I didn't want to ever revisit. Um, those were scary, uncertain times. But honestly, I'm really thankful to have gotten 
to really force myself to relive those moments and really experience it and uh, feel it and take it in because the more I take in those moments, those hard moments that I'd rather just brush over, the more I can like internalize it and learn from it and also accept it more, like come to peace. And so I think that's also like anyone's right, and inkling is to just push away those hard things and not ever go there. But sometimes it's really therapeutic to just kind of revisit it and really explore it and just take it in. I like that point. Um, so I know being an athlete and a lot of times after being a collegiate athlete, it's an identity crisis in itself and trying to figure out who you are outside of athletics. So how did you change your mindset around from being an athlete after your injury when that was no longer an option? How did you change your mindset around and create a new identity for yourself? That was a huge struggle at first because I really did build my identity as this sports athlete guy, like a competitor, like I'm this physical man's man. And how can I be that when I can't even like scratch an itch on my nose or mm-hmm. you know, do some of the most simple, basic life functioning things, like even go in the bathroom on my own. Like there was just so much that was taken away from me, my, my independence and who I thought I was and what people valued me for. But, you know, the more I kind of, you know, wrestled with those feelings and around other people, I began to figure out that, you know, while I thought of myself as an athlete, I could still think all the parts that make up an athlete, like determination, grit, um, passion, effort, you know, all those little things, um, that really I feel like encompass like a great athlete, but it's still true. Um, although this wasn't used for like on-field competition, I was now using it every single day in the therapeutic gym and with my physical therapy, my occupational therapy. And so I began to see that, you know, I was still that athlete at heart. I was still using those pieces that were really truly valuable about being an athlete. And I also began to see that while I thought other people value me because of maybe my success in the field or um, how athletic I was, I, I really realized that people really cared about who I was as a person, not for any kind of mm-hmm. accolades or success. And that's what really is most important is not what you do or how you do it, but just like how you make people feel. Um, do you make people feel valued and cared about and do you lift them up and bring them up? And so, that's what I really begin to focus on is like, how can I be like a life giver instead of like a taker? Like, how can I really, you know, bring joy to the world? And, and then I also begin to see how that athlete mentality was really, um, you know, given a light on any more, like even more so because, you know, I was injured. My parents were blogging about my experience. So was my sister and people like thousands of people begin to follow my journey because they were amazed by, you know, my determination and they thought of me as an inspiration. I never thought of myself as an inspiration. I was just trying to get my life back. I was trying to get better. But um, when I was putting those things on display, it was inspiring other people to overcome their own challenges. So it gave me a sense of purpose too um, that really revitalized my life and gave me another direction. It's like, you know, how can I live a life that is inspiring, that helps people overcome their own challenges? 
Who were some of those instrumental people that stood by your side and helped you throughout this entire journey? And what were some of the most important things that they did to help you or said to help you? Oh, there's so many. Like That was probably one of the biggest things from this entire experience was just the love and support of so many people. I was so blessed to have um, my parents, uh, just right there by my side, my sisters, Alex and Katie, uh, grandparents, uh, friends, like they were all just right there, like ready to take care of whatever need and problem I had. They were all in and they were going to fight for me and do whatever they could to make my life just a little bit easier, a little bit more comfortable. So seeing their sacrifices was definitely uh, something really special. Uh, but one, you know, in particular, like my parents, I took like a leave from work. My dad stayed in the hospital. He slept on a cot. Like, you know, cots are not comfortable at all. <laughs> I slept on that thing for months, uh, right next to my hospital bed. And he, you know, he coached me my whole life. Like he was always, um, like pushing me to be my best and someone I was up to and coached me in all my different sporting events and leagues. And so now it was all redoing it all over again, but this time in the therapy gym, um, him just pushing me, encouraging me to to give it my all. And I just knew that, you know, he was always going to be there. My family was always going to be there. But then outside of, you know, family, something that was really special to me was uh, having my friends come and visit me. Like I, I got really lonely in the hospital um, while I was really had a great support with my family. And I was an 18-year-old kid. Like, I'm, I'm like a social guy. Like, I like being around friends and people. So you kind of get sick of your family after a while. <laughs> You're ready to see some of their faces. Yeah. Kind of like start to miss the activities and the, the friendships that you'd be forming. I just kept thinking about, you know, what are my friends doing in college right now? What are they up to um, as I'm, you know, watching a movie with my parents? But they would make every effort to come and visit me though they even stayed over a couple times and one night in particular was really fun we um snuck out of my room they got into wheelchairs and we explored like the corridors and like these uh, underground tunnels and uh walkways of mayo clinic mayo clinic is like massive and they have like this really cool underground system so that was kind of fun sneaking out with them all you know wheelchair and uh wheeling around until security had to escort us back <laughs> to our rooms. But that was just like a night I'll never forget. But just doing little things like that. And my my friends were just like always there to just pick me up and just make me feel welcomed. How long were you in the hospital in total? I was um, inpatient, like in the hospital for three months. But I, oh, wow. I did four months outpatient where I stayed at the Ronald McDonald house right next to the hospital. So Mayo Clinic is about three hours from my home and about an hour and a half from my college. So I wanted to receive the therapy and the care. I wanted to receive the same occupational therapist, the physical therapist, the doctors. So that's why I stayed an extra four months in the Mayo Clinic area in Rochester, Minnesota. um, So I can have those services. Oh, okay. 
Wow. And where are you at like physically now? Do you still go to PT, OT and different therapies? And are you still like making improvements? Because this was six years ago now. So my injury was just over 10 years ago. Oh, it was. Okay. And then, yeah. And then uh, my uh, wedding walk that um, me the video people I may have seen. That was would have been almost three years ago. Okay. Half years ago. So, yeah. So, but I've done. I do a little bit of training, but not nearly as much. Like we have our hands full. We have um, six kids in the house right now. Uh, I have. I'm a, I'm a full-time uh, motivational speaker, author. I have a film coming out called Seven Yards, a documentary, and uh, so. We're juggling a bunch of different things. So yeah. uh, getting into the gym, it hasn't been, um, you know, a priority of mine for like the last year or so. But I still like actually right before we got on this call, I did a walk uh, with my friend Brooks, he, he, who I work with. He travels with me for my speaking events. But uh, I just got done doing a walk. So I'll do like a walk. I try to do a walk like every single day. Oh, cool. Uh, which is just like him helping me like walk around the house, like do a loop around the house. Um, but nothing extensive. And I just have found that, you know, while walking was like a dream of mine to be that, do that independently, it's now just something that, you know, I'm pretty, I'm very happy and content with where my life is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the three to four hours a day training, uh, just wasn't worth it for Mm. my own well-being and for what I really value now. I value just more time with family and doing meaningful, purposeful work. Um, although with the, the COVID pandemic, you know, my work has been cut a lot short, as you imagine, no mm-hmm. live events. But, um, you know, those are the things that I, I really focus on. Yeah. So let's talk about the fostering and adopting that you and Emily do. Um, how many kids have you fostered in total and as well as adopted? So we've fostered 18 children oh wow and we have adopted five girls and four of those girls with a sibling group um they came in when they were one four six and eight oh so you took them all in at once all in at once oh wow that was that was a big decision yes yeah at the time we already had you know one kid in our care he's a three-year-old and he had behavioral issues and we got this call and Emily just felt like we were called to do something big. We were called to, you know, make a big move. And she felt like this was it. And, mm. you know, it was a huge decision. And uh, we didn't know. I didn't, I mean, especially me, I'm like, can we do this? Yeah. <laughs> we ended up accepting the call and uh, instantly became, you know, a dad to five kids and, it felt like a blink of an eye, and uh, but it was, it was the best thing that you know we've we've ever done was to answer the call and to be stretched. Uh, it's amazing, like how much you know how much you can handle. Um, but a lot of times, like we think that we can't handle it. There's no way we can do it. But the only way you can really find out if you can do it or not is by pushing yourselves. And we found that the more we've pushed ourselves, the more that we can handle. And, the more meaningful and purposeful our life has been. But so that's how we got the, the four 
But also our oldest is Whitley. She is 21 years old right now. So she's only six and seven years younger than Emily <laughs> and I. And she was our first uh, foster child uh, from the foster care system. And uh, she came to us when she, she was 17 years old. And so we were there to help her get through high school and just love on her and uh, help her out. And uh, it was pretty pretty unbelievable ride with uh, Whitley and a lot of learning and uh, struggles. But at the end, like uh, we love her and she has grown so much and has become you know, such a, a wonderful person. We're really proud of her. Yeah, that's so special. So are you adopting or are you fostering is what I mean? Um, more kids currently on top of the five kids that you have? Yes, we are. So Okay. Right Must now, be a busy house. <laughs> Oh, I know. It's very busy. I'm surprised we have not been interrupted yet or any kind of like screams or yelling because uh, we have two more boys now because the five that we've adopted are all girls. Mm. Uh, that was just by chance. They just have yeah. girls. And then uh, we've accepted a two-year-old placement. Um, and so he's in our care. We've had him for a little over a year. And he is the cutest little thing to us. Um, born premature and he you know was malnourished and just he just needed a lot of love a lot of food and we've been able to bulk him up it's amazing to see his growth this last year and we're actually actively we're trying to adopt him we, we love oh him cool so, much, so we're uh, we're hoping we can keep adding to our family and then we also have another little boy he's a six-year-old uh, his name is Tafari and, um, we have temporary guardianship um, over him and we're just uh, watching him to help out his mom um, because we met Tafari a number of years ago through the foster care system that he's come back to us and um, we're, we're so thankful to have all of them so yeah we have six kids um, all sandwiched in between 11 years old to 2 years old wow <laughs> so busy busy house oh yeah. and a dog don't forget the dog <laughs> <laughs> just adding more to the table. Um, what is the difference between fostering and temporary guardianship? So we got to far through, um, it wasn't through like the, so foster care system is like a child um, is taken away. Um, like the guardianship is taken away from the parents um, as they work on themselves to, you know, pass certain things to get their kids back. So Tafari was never taken away from his mom um, this time. Um, she just needed some help and we've been stayed in touch with her family and just asked us if um, we could take him in and just, you know, have him live here and, and be one of our own until she felt like she could take him back. So that's how the little bit of difference. So, he was never like taken away. This is not like um, through a system or agency or anything like that. This is just, you know, watching over somebody. And then the foster care system, yeah, it's when a child is actually removed from a home. Okay. Um, how, yeah, yeah, for sure. So how did you and Emily first get into adoption and fostering? And where did your heart for that come from? So it really came from uh, Emily because, oh, excuse me, 
Um, Emily, uh, when she was a kid, she'll never forget this. It's in our, in our book too. She remembers watching like a special, like on a TV show and just saw these kids lined up on racks, just racks of babies. And, um, with like a single light bulb on and just like one person tending to all these people like, like an orphanage overseas. And it just like left this mark on her that like we, like she begged her parents first to adopt all those kids. And then <laughs> it just like gave her this like passion, this drive, like every kid needs to feel loved. Like every kid needs a home and needs to feel what, she felt growing up, she had incredible parents. And so it just kind of was on her heart. And she, you know, mentored kids at a young age when she was in high school. And her first kid that uh, she mentored and, and got really close with was Whitley, who I mentioned we adopted and was our first foster child. So uh, Whitley, when she was mentoring her, um, was placed in the foster care system. That's what really opened Emily's eyes to that world and she saw the struggles that Whitley had to go through uh, being in that system. And so it just was something that she always knew she was going to do. She was going to foster and she was going to adopt. And she told me that like, that was a deal breaker for her. Like Chris, like if you're going to be with me and we're going to get married, like we are going to foster and to adopt. And yeah, I was totally on board. I had no idea it was going to be before we got married. That was not part of the plan. But that's okay. And uh, that was just something that was always going to be a part of her life. And and also, so then to catch you up, so after the graduation, while we got graduated, uh, we moved to Florida. And then we received a call one night from Whitley in tears saying that she you know, was going to get sent to juvenile detention unless you know she found another home to go to. And, nobody was stepping forward to be your foster parents. So we accepted that call and took her in and um, <laughs> we became her parents. So that's how we got our feet into foster care and then we couldn't stop. And it's been, you know, the most rewarding, beautiful, fulfilling thing, uh, messiest thing that we've ever done. Yeah, I think, so I read your book um, and I think the most incredible part uh, of it all is just seeing Emily's heart for sure, like how she took Whitley in at a young age and then just always had that on her heart and how after she met you, how much she poured into you and helping you get better as well and continue to see improvements in your own journey to walking and everything like that too. Oh yeah, Emily, she is a giver. Like she just pours herself everything into the ones that she loves and um, she just does that she's so selfless and she's a very incredible person and just has such a, a love for other people and uh yeah it's, it's something that I, I just feel so blessed to be her husband and uh, to be on this crazy wild journey with her yeah i think my favorite part of the book was um the scene where you had just moved to Michigan, I believe, and were pretty frustrated about the therapy situation that didn't come out to be how you kind of pictured it to be. And the moment where Emily said, 
we're going to walk down the hall. And you were like, we've never done this before. And she kind of just pushed you into doing it. And it turned out to be a success. Yeah, that was a really special moment. I was just in tears. I was questioning, like, what am I doing? Like, Why am I setting this goal to, to walk? And why did we relocate to Michigan to fulfill this goal? I, you know, displace, replace, you know, our entire lives to move to Michigan just for this one dream. And I was just in this funk. And I'm like, just, I was like, you know what? We're going to walk. And without any other support but her, she walked me all the way into the, into the kitchen. I thought she was crazy. Like a mad one. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? But it was like the best thing. And she like kind of helped me uh, realize that like we can do this or we can get through this. And that's the kind of person in my is. She like pulls more out of you than what you think is in there. How did you end up in Florida after relocating to Michigan? So one of my uh, physical therapists I was working with in Michigan worked closely. He helped me get ready for the graduation walk. Well, he relocated to Florida. And we were kind of at a stage where uh, we knew we weren't going to live in Michigan the rest of our lives. And uh, we wanted to be somewhere where I could still receive good training, uh, which unfortunately we just felt like in Iowa wasn't where we're from, wasn't Mm -hmm. the place to be. So when he relocated to Florida, we're like, should we just go to Florida? Like that sounds (laughs) really nice. Like, Like also this was like in the dead of winter. So it was like freezing outside. We're bundled up. We're like, yeah, that sounds great. Um, so that's kind of what led to that decision of like, let's go to Florida. Our lease is up for our apartment. Like, let's just do it. And so literally within like finding out that my trainer was moving within like a month, we were in Florida. Oh, really? Wow. Pretty incredible. Like how fast everything happened to, to get us there. But you know, it was a really great decision because, you know, for me being a wheelchair, um, it's hard to navigate snow and ice, mm-hmm. uh, bundling up. I can't put on a coat by myself. Oh, I'd imagine. Yeah. Like gloves. I can't really push my chair with gloves. And uh, yeah, it's just a really difficult situation. So it's been really nice and convenient being in Florida where it's not only there's no snow, but it's also flat. It's really flat in Florida. So mm-hmm. I, I can see why people retire here and come down here. It's really convenient. Switching subjects completely. um, You, since your injury, you have started the Chris Norton foundation as well as you have a wheelchair camp. So do you want to talk more about that? Yes. Um, We started my foundation back in 2012 and it was just something I, I started to see. I was really fortunate because of my injury. I was, injured in a NCAA sporting event. Mm-hmm. So that association um, covered most of my medical expenses and also just from there on some like just daily living expenses that as a result of my injury. Well, those luxuries and the equipment that they cover for me aren't covered by any other association or insurance. So I just begin to see just countless people go without the funds, without the access to recovery options. And that just kind of broke my heart. It broke my family's heart, um, people that were really close to it. So people had 
you know, just as much drive as I did to get better, but they just couldn't do it because they didn't have the money or they didn't have the equipment to do it. So we're like, you know what, this needs to change. And so that's what we started. The foundation was to get money to offer uh, facilities to get the latest and greatest equipment and then have it available so that anyone can access it, not just someone with an insurance plan, but someone who, you know, just like you get a BIM membership, uh, you know, they're pretty cheap, uh, pretty inexpensive. Well, someone who you know, has special needs and needs specialized equipment, well, you kind of need insurance. And just, it's really expensive. So we want to, you know, bridge that gap where anybody with special needs can access this nice equipment to better their lives. And then as it developed, I also wanted to start a wheelchair camp. So we started a wheelchair camp for kids uh, where my foundation, we covered everything. So 25 campers come out to uh, Minnesota and it's uh, four days and nights and they get to zip line, horseback ride. We did laser tag. Uh, we did a bunch of different things. This next year, we're going to do some scuba diving. But it's just a ton of fun. We build a community, and it really just helps these kids realize just like how much potential they have and like all that they can do. Because so much in life is like you're told, like, well, you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, this isn't accessible, that's not accessible. And so this is something where, like, hey, everything's accessible. You're going to do everything you want to do. It's going to be about you. It's also, to the whole family is included. So it's not just the person who's in a chair but or, or with special needs, but the siblings, the parents, you know, whoever, they're all there. They're all part of it. And you just, that's amazing community that we formed. And I cannot wait uh, for this camp uh, this summer. That's incredible. And it just has to be so powerful, powerful for those individuals and their families to just have something so positive to be involved in when they've had a lot of hardships in their life. Oh, absolutely. It's just a great, like, you just like build these such strong ties, like that different parents form a community, like they, they get connected, the siblings get connected, they can kind of relate to each other. People who are in chairs with special needs form mm-hmm. a community, and it's just it's so empowering and so encouraging. And I can tell you, like, how many people were crying just because of like how special it was. And I'll never forget one camper. Like, it was the last night. All of a sudden, I see him just bawling, crying. I was like, "What's wrong? What's going on?" And uh, I guess he was upset. He can't really. He can't communicate. He needs a, a computer, but. He told his uh, mom earlier that he's just so sad thinking about camp is ending. Mm. He does not want camp to end. It was just like such a powerful moment that like brought me to tears. It's like, wow, this is, this is a special thing. Like we got to keep doing this. And so unfortunately last year in 2020, we had to cancel that just because of, you know, health concerns uh, with the pandemic. But 2021 in June, we're very hopeful and, Uh, We are accepting applications through our website. That is so powerful and has to be just so incredible for you to see when it's something you created and it's having this impact on so many lives. Yeah, it's, it's hard to put in words and um, it was just like something that I've always dreamed about, always dreamed about having this this camp and then to see it come into not only fruition, uh, with so much planning, but then to see it have the impact 
that it did. Um, it's going to make me tearing up right now just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and to take something that was such a hardship in your own life and such a hard transition and, and just a kind of tragedy in your own life and taking it and turning it around to create such positivity is is really inspirational and, and not something everyone can do. Yeah, it's you kind of just I'm a, I'm a dreamer and uh, thankfully I I just express those dreams and I try to surround myself with good people that can help make my dream a reality uh, because it takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of different moving parts, but you know, it first starts with a dream um, that you want to make this happen and you just, you voice it to the world. You let people know and you get other people excited about it. It's amazing like what you can do. Uh, but I think so many, too many times people are afraid to, you know, voice that dream or to share it. And I think it's, I would encourage everyone to not be, you know, shy, but to really put it out there and, you know, see what happens. I think, you know, good things come when you put it out to the world. Um, going along those lines, what is maybe the best piece of advice that you received throughout your journey that helped you do all that you're doing and, and come along in your recovery as you have? I would say one of the most pivotal moments came probably the, it was like the fourth night after my injury. I was in the hospital, the ICU, you know, it's late at night, dark, lonely. I'm just in my head, just thinking about the future. You know, what's my future going to look like? Will I, you know, ever get married? Will I ever go back to college? And uh, will I ever be happy and live a good life? And this physician comes in to check my vitals. And it's pretty standard for someone to come in. They check my vitals every two hours uh, to make sure everything's okay. But then they check it, they leave. Well, this physician does something different. She comes over to my bedside. She gets down on one knee and she says, Chris, look me in the eyes. And she was kind of mean about it. And she's got these, these reddish hair, glasses, and she's got this voice that sounds like she came straight out of a Western room. She says, my name is Georgia. I'm <laughs> from Wyoming. Do you know anyone from Wyoming? I said, no. And I'm just thinking, like, okay, where is this conversation yeah. going? And she says, well, people from Wyoming don't tell lies. And I want you to know, you will beat this. You will beat this. I instantly break down crying. Uh, it was so impactful. Like, I needed to hear those words so badly. I was so lost. I was so scared. And to hear this physician, this angel just like come in out of nowhere and just speak life over me and to encourage me was just like the exact thing I needed in that moment. And the thing about Dr. Georgia was that she didn't just say like, Chris, you, you can beat this. She said you will mm -hmm. beat this. And I believed her. And, you know, after that moment, I just took all that faith and inspiration that she just got poured into me. And I poured it out onto my physical therapy, my occupational therapy. And that kind of really like set me on fire to keep going because I was questioning, is this worth it? Like, is all my time, my effort, 
Like, is it really worth pursuing this life and living this life? Like, do I just give up? I just, you know, fold. And in that moment, she told me, no, like, you got to keep going. And I I guess I haven't stopped going since. (laughs) That's such an incredible story and really just speaks to the power that some some of the most simple things that you can say to people can have the most profound impact. Is this someone, are you still in contact with her? I'm not still in contact with her. It's someone that I would love to get back into contact with. Um, I did see her a couple years after that moment uh, because it did feel like she came into my life and she was gone, like like Angel. And but I did huh, see yeah. her at this um, health conference and I made sure to go over there and tell her, like, I'll never forget the night that you came in my room and you told me you will beat this. And those words had such a lasting impact on me. So that was, you know, a few years after she told me that, which now would have been, I don't know, eight years ago. And so she has probably no idea how, how many times I've told that story to other people. Yeah. <laughs> it, was so, it was that impactful. And I just want everybody to be like a Dr. George, like be that person who's going to encourage people and that, you know, someone who's going to, you know, bring them down and to take away their life and their motivation, but to speak life into people and just really encourage them to be kind. Like you just never know what someone else is going to, like going through. Like everyone goes through something. Like we're all facing our own battles and the more you can recognize and understand, no matter what someone looks like, what they do, that they're, they have their own struggles and you can treat them with love and kindness, that this world would be such a, a better place. So true. So, so true. Yeah. Wow. That is like the coolest story and just so impactful. Um, I hope she listens to all your, your interviews and hears, <laughs> hears that she made that big of an impact. Um, so what's next? What do you have that's exciting coming out? I know you mentioned the film, but you always seem to be working on so many different projects and different incredible things that you're putting together. So what's coming up? Yeah, right now, I'm super excited for the film. It's coming out in February 2021. I'm not sure when this podcast is dropping, but uh, that's going to be on streaming platforms. And that's going to be a really powerful thing for people to just get life and to get hope and inspiration to keep going. It's been a rough 12 months for a lot of people, even myself, where we need something uplifting. I hope that this is the the thing that really lights people on fire, uh, which is the seven yards film. And then after that, you know, I'm really working hard still. I'm putting together a video course on happiness on just how can you reboot your happiness to live a meaningful life. I think that's something we all are trying and striving for. So it's been fun putting uh, that course together and just trying to, you know, make more of a difference. And then, uh, of course, I'm always working on my virtual presentations and hopefully around the corner, we'll have some live presentations. For real. (laughs) Um, How did the film work? Is it someone, a character playing you or did someone follow you around for a couple years like documentary style. So it's a documentary. And, oh, wow. Uh, what's really cool about the documentary. So there's a lot of stuff that, you know, we don't have 
all the game film. We don't have film like in the hospital. As you can imagine, when you're going through something like a life altering, uh, very tragic at the time, no one has a video camera out and like film. Right. And it's like, the last thing you want to do is take photos and videos. So it was kind of was really special with the documentary film team, knowing that there's a gap of footage. We actually reenacted a lot of different wow yeah the story to life so that was pretty powerful where i played myself um to reenact the the injury in the field so we had a obviously a, a stunt double person who was in my jersey running on the field but i was the one laying on the field and the oh, wow. came to me in the film you know i was in the hospital scenes um in the helicopter when i was taken off and you know, it was, uh, it's a pretty gripping film because you see these things that I've always talked about, but you've never been able to see. Mm-hmm. Now you can actually see it for the first time. Plus, you don't just hear my perspective on everything. You hear from my family, my my sisters, my uh, friends and doctors and coaches and just different people who are really important in my journey and my story you get so many different takes and that's really brings the story like a whole new perspective, a whole new life. And uh, it was a ton of fun. It's been a project we've been working on for a number of years. So to finally see it uh, about to debut and for people to enjoy it. We're so excited. Yeah. How do we watch it? So it's going to be on uh, like streaming for like uh, Amazon. Oh, wow. Apple TV. Uh, so you can rent it, buy it. Uh, when does the podcast drop? I don't, I don't even know. So, uh, in like a couple weeks. Oh, great! So just a couple so, yeah, weeks before the film. So yeah, just a couple weeks, February twenty third, and yeah, you pre-order it, get it. Um, we cannot wait. We'll have a a virtual premiere too, which will be a lot of fun. The day before oh, wow. on February twenty second, we'll have uh, myself and Emily, the kids, some people from the cast, and uh, we're going to play some deleted scenes and oh, cool. there. So that's going to be a lot of fun too for the virtual um, premiere. Yeah. Can anyone attend that? Yeah. Anyone can attend it. Yeah. Oh, and wow. if you uh, get a ticket for that, you actually get the movie two weeks early. So if you want to watch the movie two weeks early, you got to attend, you got to get a ticket for the virtual premiere. So um, be sure to, um, yeah, go to get my email list um, would be a great way to stay informed with that at chrisnorton.org you can opt into my email list and i'll be sending out information on it all right chris thank you so much for all that you shared today but before we wrap up we'll do the end of the podcast questions so first what is the best or most recent book that you've read Uh, the book i'm reading right now is called the book of awakening um mark but it's like daily devotionals um each day is kind of like a a message i've been really enjoying that and who or what is illuminating or inspiring in your life right now i would say my wife she is always just full of energy uh she does so much for our home and family but she has been illuminating a lot of life and always is illuminating a lot of life for us I love that. And what is an organization that you would like to illuminate? Oh, um, I would say the 
foster care um, system and organizations, like what they have to do and all that goes into um, being a foster parent and the process, it, it can be scary, but I hope more people maybe after hearing my story might be more interested in and learning more on what it takes to be a foster parent and uh, taking in a child who, who needs a home. I love that. It's such an important thing for everyone to have on their minds. And to finish it off, what is your one message to send to the world? I would say keep going. Like just don't stop. Like I think there's always this feeling of maybe like I should give up or I should turn the other way, hide in a corner or whatever, roll up in a ball. But we just found when you just take you know one step in front of the other and you just keep going, even if you don't know where you're going, good things happen. And good things happen when you're trying to make a difference, not just chase success, but chasing uh, how you can make a difference in someone else's life. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Chris Norton. And if you want to continue to follow along with all that he's doing with his foundation, wheelchair camp, the film coming up, and just everything that he does, you can find him at chrisnorton.org or on Instagram at chrisanorton16. And we would love to hear from you and hear how you are enjoying the podcast. So if you want to give us a follow over on Twitter at Illuminate underscore pod or on Instagram at the Illuminate podcast and let us know your thoughts on the recent episodes. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Illuminate podcast of my conversation with Chris. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your week.